Welcome to The Craft. I'm your host, Mae Globus. This podcast is a collection of intimate conversations on artistry, mastery, and life with talented, passionately curious creatives and entrepreneurs. Most are dear friends, some are those I've admired from afar. I hope you enjoy these conversations, this exploration of the humanity that connects all of us as much as I do having them. Thank you for being here and for listening. My very first podcast guest, Garrett Louie, has a sharp mind and instinct for culture and what's relevant within it. It's a rare talent, making him one that many have followed throughout the years. He paved the way for street culture growth in Vancouver since the 90s, from bringing the brand Fresh Drive to the city, running his multi-brand sales agency and distribution companies, NLA and Time Bomb Trading, founding sneaker retailer Livestock, to opening Fortune Sound Club with longtime business partner Rob Risk. In this conversation, we explore what he's learned about himself over this last year, how his various businesses had to shift, mental health, a recent major announcement around livestock, what he's learned from his sons Raiden and Nevin during the pandemic, and more. It's always a privilege to dive into the vast mind space of Garrett Louie. Garrett, welcome to The Craft. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming in. No problem. Yeah, so what a year. Yeah, I'd say. How are you feeling at the start of 2021? Um, feeling pretty good. Um, definitely more optimistic, of course, with these vaccines coming our way, but we're still pretty much in the thick of it. You know, I think January is still going to be a really tough year, you know, mm-hmm. especially uh, for, for, for me because I also deal with a lot of retail stores and uh, the whole East Coast of Canada is locked down right now. So, right. you know, it's kind of taking it day by day on that tip and then as far as the the club you know I don't really foresee us opening anytime too soon you know Mm -hmm. what I mean like maybe hopefully by September maybe earlier if things are good but right yeah so I mean kind of feeling optimistic but there's still some things that aren't fully there yet you know yeah yeah you've you've had to make a lot of changes for both NLA Time Bomb and Fortune yeah, I mean, um, I guess in the beginning of everything, it was definitely probably the hardest stuff that I've had to deal with in, in my life, you know what I mean? As far as a, a business owner that owned multiple businesses that were on different sort of tips, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Just, I mean, first staff, you know, dealing with staff, like there was a lot of staff that we had to kind of figure out and, you know, l- talking to people one by one as as we had to sort of lay off, temporary lay off, and we pretty much talked to everybody one by one, you know what I mean? So it was like a Band-Aid that was getting ripped off really slow because it wasn't like all at once. It was like we wanted to keep as many people on as possible, but as every day and as every week would go by, it was like, man, like I don't know about this right now, and right. you know what I mean? So that was pretty painful. Also managing inventory as far as my distribution goes because we had so much inventory trying to get goods out but everyone's closed and then all the merchandise that was coming in and trying to plan for two seasons of stuff that was coming in but you didn't know when things were open yeah and you know with stores locked down they also owed money right like like when they opened you were going to be like 60 or 90 or 120 days overdue and you're thinking i've got all these merchandise coming mm-hmm. how am i going to ship them how are people going to pay for this who's going to be in business after, you know what I mean? Yeah, there's a lot of strategizing because we're still in this place where it's still quite 
unknown. Everything is uncertain. There is no certainty. So yeah. you're sort of trying to plan for something that's still uncertain. For sure. And, th- and that was just that distribution business. You know yeah, what I mean? And then, right. and then the club was a whole nother thing, right? It was like, oh, now what? You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. we've been closed at Fortune for 10 months, you know, and it'll probably be a year and a half before we open again. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's a long time to be closed and pay rent right um and try to you know do you deal with all that yeah how do you feel um that this last 10 months has changed the entertainment industry um it's just has it oh i mean it's just been decimated you know like it's pr- pretty pretty sad you know what i mean like I, I there's no light there i don't think you know like i can't see you know a lot of things oh well at least this happened or that happened like as far as everybody in the entertainment hospitality industry, I just I just see it's pretty sad when you think about it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just all the, the the you know DJs and musicians and and all the people in it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess the other thing is maybe though those people are pivoting to something else. You know, like as far as a side hustle or a main hustle where DJing and music could be something else or if you're a musician maybe you're creating some amazing music that I can't wait to see yes. and hear down the road like I think music will be pretty amazing if people aren't touring and oh uh, we can just go in the studio and make music you right know what I mean? right yeah. yeah there's a lot of major albums that dropped this year from musicians who are like we just got into the studio because we couldn't tour right. and they just put out a bunch this year yeah exactly yeah. and with all this stuff that happened in the year with the Black Lives Matter movement like when you're I was listening to this song by Marvin Gaye, What's Going On. It's an old song. And you listen to the power power of that song, and it was kind of it kind of feels relevant for what's going on now, but at the same time it's talking about the Vietnam War and it just at that time and what that emotion can spark for musical artists with all the stuff that's been going on. So it's gonna be interesting to see the mm-hmm. creativity going forward. And, and and I think creatives were able to be creative and and work on those skills, which is probably a good good thing too right right yeah. I, I mean you you talk and have lots of musician friends what, what are they saying in terms of like how this they've shifted in this time have they been more creative um I think everybody's at different phases I think I think some won't even come back to DJing like I could see a lot of people that were maybe were a little bit older and it's been it'll be a year and a half since they played like it's going to be interesting to see you know what like i'm i'm done with djing type thing mm-hmm. and now i'm doing this i mean i talked to some people that got full jobs for the first time like holy shit i had to go and get a job and i'm applying at fedex from applying here or doing construction or whatever right and then um there's others that are you know holding on and doing live streaming and trying to think of creative ways to do that and still you know connecting to the community and maybe mm-hmm. some that kind of moved into the production side of things. So mm-hmm. I think everyone's at a little bit of different phases with it. And everybody, for sure, everybody had to probably think about it. You know what I mean? I personally think that it is a little bit of a window, you know, it pushes you for like five or ten years ahead. And whether you're dealing with this situation now or whether you're 35 or 40 or 45, you're going to have to kind of come to a realization at some point if you're a DJ and go, okay, now, now what? Mm-hmm. So maybe you're thinking about that a little bit more now and you can maybe you can take this opportunity to figure out that now what right. because you will hit that point at some part because the DJing for the most part is a young person's game. Right. You know. Yeah. 
yeah, it takes a lot of energy every night. Well, just connecting to that culture too, like, I mean, there's always somebody turning 19, so there'll always be people that want to go out, you know, but it's just, I I know a lot of people that have done it for a long time, and that's amazing, but I just think there is an age limit, you know, like, there's not a lot of 60 and 50 year old DJs, but there are, there are some legends out there like your mm-hmm. Jazzy Jeffs and your Grandmaster Flashes and guys like that that are global and they're still killing it out there. So don't get me wrong, but the average DJs are rocking to these crowds that are between 19 and, you know, whatever age. You yeah, know what I mean? that's, that's right. Yeah. yeah. And like, where, where are you at? How, how has the, the events of the last, you know, 10 months to a year, how is it, evolved you or changed you it's been pretty pretty crazy I'd say this is 2020 was probably the worst year of my life you know just navigating all this stuff business-wise but then when I look back on it I might I won't say it now but I might say it was also the best year of my life because you know not only was there you know figuring out the businesses which was incredibly challenging but during that during that time when I was I had like a month where I was working from home and I've never done that before. So the novelty of that was kind of interesting, but it wasn't relaxing because you're trying to deal with all this stuff. But during that time, I also realized like when I couldn't be blasting off emails, like pretty much we didn't even have staff around and things were you know trying to figure it out. I was like, I, I saw my family being really creative, you know, like the, the, the kids were are into music and photography and they were kind of doing their hobbies and, and my wife was doing her thing, and here I was, you know, on a weekend where I didn't have to work, just kind of losing it, you know, like just not not really relaxed. And um, I kind of realized, like, I lost a lot of my time to, to have a hobby, you know, because it was so revolved around work for so long. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I started kind of thinking ahead because it's something that I'm always having to do with work is planning ahead, and I was like, wow, like I have a – a kid that's just graduated this year and like what if they move out at some point and we want to downsize into this like I, I won't be able to have move any of this stuff into a smaller place if we wanted to and and I just took this time to like start selling all my personal items <laughs> so that was really f- interesting like it kept it was something that I always wanted to do because if I wasn't wearing it or using it I was like why do I have it right but I'm talking like you know old sneakers or toys or anything that wasn't being used or worn was just got rid of it. And that, that took a long time. Like that took many, many weekends and nights and months, but it kept me busy and it, and, and I feel really good to have cleansed all this stuff. Yeah. You Marie Kondoed yourself. (laughs) Yeah. In in, in a way, but I also Mm -hmm. felt like getting rid of it also meant, you know, another phase like, well, I I don't really want to put anything into my house anymore like I'm gonna think three times before I really buy Mm. something and put it in so that was cool but then I started to think if you're not really buying things and you don't really want anything well what is what is life about you know and and COVID obviously makes you realize like okay the roof over your head is the most important thing and food okay that's cool taken care of so started cooking a lot more and having the time to like cook better meals and like science that out so I was like that's Mm -hmm. a great little hobby and something fun to do and then from there I started trying to control you know what I could control myself because a lot of this stuff was so out of your control and I am used to a little bit of that control or having to have some of it because you're having to plan but when you just have no control over this stuff you don't know what's going to happen 
it's like, well, what can I control? And I started just working on myself as far as, you know, exercise routines mm-hmm. and you were getting out into nature quite a lot yeah I nature you were, you were yeah, mentioning for sure. that. yeah nature um exercise routines and intermittent fasting and lost quite a bit of weight doing that and just just working on myself which was like okay like that's mm-hmm. something i can do boost that immune system like at least it's something to keep me busy as right. well and keep that going you know what i mean yeah so that was really interesting and then I think in was this, this the first, sorry to interrupt, but I just wanted to, to ask, do you feel like this is the uh, first time in a long time where you were self-caring? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Like, it, it was just, like, so worried about everything else, like, work and um, employees and, and all this sort of stuff. So I've never, I actually haven't really focused on myself for a long time, you know what I mean? Like, and I, um, I realized that and then kind of went through that whole phase and that was quite a bit you know and working on like crazy amounts of work on top of it and then there is uh something that I did in the summer where I had a friend who is kind of a genius in the world of self healing help teaching like he doesn't really have an official title or anything but he's just helped a lot of people get through a lot of things and He's helped uh, spouses get through deaths of loved ones or if you lost your child and things and, and just all sorts of topics. But he, th- this guy's done, you know, gone through it himself, you know, but also has helped many people. And and uh, anyway, he came over to my house for three days in the summer and my family was out at this point. Like I kind of planned that. And then we just worked on myself for three full days, which was like 30 hours, not, you know, 12 hours a day type thing, mm-hmm. just focusing on myself, which, which included a lot of different things, but breathing techniques, body work type stuff, these German techniques called Gestalt. And, right. and I was realized Wim Hof too, Wim Hof, uh, breathing, Wim Hof breathing. I, I've tried that before. Yeah. Uh, it, it wasn't, it wasn't that exact method, but I, that's pretty cool stuff. Mm-hmm. I'd like to get that certification because you can get that on youtube i guess that's kind of in the bucket list there okay cool but um yeah i i, I anyway long story short because it is a long story that would take a whole another thing and i'd probably talk about that more offline but um it was uh <laughs> incredible like so many revelations and realizations through that and i mm-hmm. think it was all built up through covid the cleansing of all that stuff working on myself kid graduated all kind of vortexed into this one weekend where I, I, you know, had all this sort of stuff go on, you know? Mm-hmm. Is and there something that you feel comfortable sharing that had come up for you that was a re- revelation? Well, I think, um, I think just why I had, why I still have so many jobs and stuff, like all these different careers and things that I've, you know, after the age of 16, I was pretty, I was pretty, um, um, you know, creative, you know, I was skateboarding a lot, snowboarding, doing photography. Then I started DJing after that. But once all the work came on, like, you really don't have time to do that kind of stuff. Like, I was creative through work, you know what I mean? Like, creating a flyer or creating an event. And, and, you know, I used it for that. But just for pure self, I think I really didn't do any of that stuff anymore. Mm -hmm. And um, I, 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 yeah, so I think, I think, um, that, that was definitely some of the stuff, I guess, that I, right, you know. E- examined and explored 
Yeah, exactly. That weekend. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, you were you were talking about growing up, you know, skateboarding and, and being creative. I'd I'd love for people to to get to know you a little bit more. Like what were you like as a, a kid? What was childhood like? I know that you're in business with your dad, Nick, and um what was mom like? Well, I, I think I think the thing was, and this is from a lot of the realizations of why I ended up, sorry, working so hard, I, I kind of lost that thought there, was because um, my parents were divorced at a very young age, and I think grade three. So a lot of people think, because they know my dad because he would go out, that, that I lived with him, but I actually didn't live with him, and uh, I, I, was, I lived with my stepfather and, and my mom. And my stepfather was quite strict. Um, and we, we lived, before my stepfather came around, um, we lived in co-op housing. And and I, I never went away before the age of 18, like never took a flight anywhere. So I think, I think like that whole thing and what I realized from that weekend was, wow, like I think that somewhere subconsciously I was trying to, you know, not put myself into this situation. So I was kind of in this sort of fight or flight mode of I got to work, I got to hustle, I got to grind my way out of this sort of thing. And that would, that's what gave me my work ethic, you know what I mean? But now that was kind of that story, you know, that was like the story before the age of 16 was more of a fast times at Ridgemont High sort of teen party sort of vibe. And then from 16, 17 till, till now, it was more of this fight or flight kind of in the trenches, apocalypse now, like work, you know, like mm -hmm. that kind of mode. And now it was just more like figuring out now, what do I want this sort of last or final like other chapter of my life to be, you know what I right. mean? Which is maybe a little bit less. So some of the revelations that came out was just, maybe I don't need so much stuff going on, you know what I mean? Because it's been quite a bit, especially dealing with it all over COVID, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and, and and I'm, I'm starting to like get rid of some of these things, so. Right. So yeah. so one, one of the things that I, I remember talking to you, we went out for a bite and we kind of talked about something but I couldn't really tell you so one of the things that I did get rid of was um, I owned the the sneaker store co-founded with Gary Bone um, Livestock for uh, I guess now would be 19 years mm -hmm. so um, I sold my shares you know th this year which was pretty congratulations pretty cool. yeah I'm pretty huge. excited about it um, I love the whole crew there like it's been a part of my life for a long time but with everything going on it definitely helped a little bit because it helped relieve one other stress, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Of Especially when you're talking about retail, but it's also was sold to a company from the UK that I think can do it really good justice. So the whole point of the sale was that this company from the UK that owns a couple other tiers of stores, one is uh, uh, JD Sports, which is kind of like a Foot Locker Champs sort of vibe. Mm -hmm. And then they have a middle tier called Size, and that's sort of, uh, they sell sneakers and streetwear and stuff like that. And then they have a higher tier of kind of like equal to like a livestock called Foot Patrol. So they're really big company. They also own the brand Champion. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, they they basically want to expand into Canada. Not, not just livestocks, but the other tiers of stores too. And wanted my partner Gary to kind of <coughs> lead that charge. I think it's, I think it's definitely one of the bigger retail deals to go down in the last... 10, 20 years mm -hmm. here in Canada, mm -hmm. and uh, he's going to do an amazing job at bringing bring that um, 
building these doors out, which also kind of helps because as we're in a system where, you know, maybe the odd store could get lost or whatever through the pandemic, like he's going to take this opportunity to open stores, right? Like you can have leases and malls that are going to be maybe cheaper to Mm -hmm. get into and he's got the pick of the litter as far as good staff goes to build this sort of thing. And if anyone can do it, it would be the mm-hmm. team at Livestock because we've built such a great brand there. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I, it, a thought I had is, you know, you spent, you just said 19 years yeah. building a brand, you know, that's, that's one of your babies. Yeah. Um, so what was the deciding factor as you were closing this deal and, and saying, yeah, this is the company we want to go with that we trust to do, do right by what we've built. Well, I, I think it's like a needle in a haystack for anyone that wants to buy us. Like when you kind of think about who the players are in Canada, there's not a lot mm-hmm. that because we're not that big. You know, four stores isn't like 20 stores. It's kind of smaller and it's not, you know, but it's too big for like one person that has an interest in sneakers. It's not like it's one store or even two where you could sell it to just some kid who has a rich parent that wants to do this as a hobby or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So it was kind of at this awkward size and there really wasn't many people I felt. And then if you're from America, one of the bigger stores down there, I mean, you know, do you need us to get these accounts? Do you need the infrastructure or would you just open one yourself in Canada? Like all those logistics. But this company is a, is a massive company. And I think, I think they'd like to start exploring into North America, like maybe even the U.S. at some point. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just thinking this. And Canada is always a good testing ground because we're not quite America. Like we're a little bit more closer to Europe right. as far as the vibe goes. So I think, um, yeah, I think that's basically, A, the offer was there, the the money was there, and we felt that the infrastructure was there to make it happen. And it would be a great mm-hmm. opportunity for livestock as well as all the Canadian, re- you know, for Canadian retail. And then for me as a distributor, my partner is able to support our distribution because there would be goods that we sell t- to these stores. So we're pretty right. happy about that as well. That's great. Yeah, I mean, it's really hard to get out of things, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like if you own something, it's not like you can just sell it to somebody. Like it's such a, it's, I, I think there it's like a needle in a haystack for everything, like to try yeah. to sell something. It's one thing to get into something, but when you're planning kind of an exit from it or whatever, that's, I think it's pretty challenging. Yeah, I imagine because you put so much work in into it and it's it's not just uh, business is business, but you've also put a lot of heart and soul into it too. Yeah, and, and do people just have the financing to do it? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you know, um, and the infrastructure, like there's so much around that deal like I feel like it was like a a unicorn rainbow situation you know what I mean like I I'm pretty happy because I'm happy that this I I can't think of anybody else that could have done this you know and Mm -hmm. the timing was just great yeah yeah it sounds like it yeah and especially with now and then after going through all this stuff in the summer of where I want my head to be it's like okay this makes sense like to 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 get rid of uh, some of these things that I'm involved with over the next X mm-hmm. amount of years, you know, just to finally relax a little bit and, and, uh, you know, not, not be so, not work so hard, I guess. Maybe, I mean, maybe in other ways, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm still entrepreneurial and I'm still, as I'm saying this, I've already thought of other things that I want to do, but I also want to think of things that maybe I can do from, from afar. Like I haven't, traveled as much as I'd like to you know what I mean and right. be able to yeah. do things maybe from a laptop somewhere rather mm. than 
being there 24 seven. Yeah. I wanted to ask, you know, as you're starting to, um, pare things down and it sounds like you're refocusing in, in, in different areas. Um, I know one of the things that, uh, you and another guest, Nate Sabine, have been doing is really helping in um, the mental health space. And mm-hmm. you've had, um, you started the uh, Mental Well series. Yes. Um, what's that been like for you in, in, you know, sharing what you've been through with the next generation? Uh, I mean, that's been really rewarding and, and challenging too, because it's not something that Nate and I had done before. So we started with, uh, you know, um, a general mental wealth thing with, with some of our friends speaking and it, it discussed everything from anxiety to depression and stress. And we had breathing exercises and meditation throughout that. And that was, that was pretty successful for sure. Then we were able to, the one time that we opened for fortune was in June and it was for a week where we did this and it was to raise money for black lives matter. And we had, um, a lot of great panelists on that. It was a great panel. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. an awesome panel, but it was also so much work and stress to do all that. So, but but yeah, Nate, Nate and I have been talking as well about expanding that and doing some more within that because I think for me, um, if I am going to do something as well, like I want to make sure there's a purpose to it now, you know, like not that there wasn't, like everything that I'm doing as well too, we're still making sure that we have a purpose with it as well. Like if our, if we're getting goods, a lot of our goods are su- sustainable goods and looking for brands within that for our distribution and looking at other brands that are going to be useful going forward. So we've kind mm-hmm. of looked at, you know, we're always open-minded to different things. We're not in one sort of lane there. Yeah. And it aligns with your current mindset of like, you know, what do I really need? Yeah, exactly. Your needs. And, and I think like I'm going to be pretty, you know, more stoked and fulfilled to be able to help the community more to do stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's definitely an angle that I've looked into, uh, post, you know, post the next five years or whatever, like helping in with that sort of community, whether it's, you know, working on films, producing films for, you know, to help that or podcasts Mm -hmm. or, or, um, YouTubes or whatever, because I have some friends right. in that community, Yeah, you know, s- something within there. Yeah, you know, Nate and I were um, chatting last weekend. I, w- I was saying to him the, f- the first mental wealth um, series you did with the pro snowboarder that yeah. um, had uh, gone through quite a bit and yes. had, had the breakdown. And there was a Q&A after, and I was saying to Nate that I wasn't sure if there was going to be a lot of questions because there were, you know, there were a lot of um, younger generation in the audience, and I wasn't yeah. sure how they were going to engage and I was saying to him that I was surprised at how many questions did come out from them in terms of like, how do I actually connect in person? Right. And, um, and yeah, it just made me realize like that the next generation, uh, they really do need support in, in that area. And I'm curious to know with, um, Raiden and Nevin, um, how have they been throughout this last 10 months and, um, how has it affected them? Um, I would say, I'd say, I mean, I, I guess it's probably, it. this kind of not affected every, everybody in the world, you know, like somehow, mm-hmm. but they were definitely pretty inspiring to me personally, because while this was going on and things were kind of locked down and I was pacing around the house trying to figure it out, you know, these guys were being their best creative self because they, you know, make films, they play instruments and they do photography. So, and, and make music. So, I mean, they could spend 
hours during the day just doing all of that and they're really into outdoors and, and nature and all that kind of stuff so it was definitely kind of I think like I'm learning so much off of them right now you yeah. know because I, I see that and I'm like oh wow like these kids aren't into material things and into consumerism at all and they're actually part of an inspiration of why I ditched all my stuff because um, Nevin's past size nine shoes I have a bunch of size nine shoes that I wasn't wearing and I was like guys if you ever want like you can grab one of these shoes and he didn't like he has his own style and Raiden was size nine now and he didn't really he's maybe grabbed like one or two of my shoes in the whole period of time so I was like well they're not really caring about them and nor should they like a pair of Jordans I I I I related to that because we were skating back in the days and the Jordan one came out and that was kind of the skate shoe but he didn't grow up with that era you know like Jordan wasn't playing when these kids were growing up so they they heard of them and they know of them but it's not like oh man you have those dad like I gotta mess with those so when they kind of didn't care about them I was like I don't wear these anymore anyway. Like, why do I have them? Like, I'm going to get rid of this stuff. Mm -hmm. So I'd say there's that. And then just, yeah, just, you know, they influenced me quite a bit as far as like getting back to, like Nevin's been off social media for a while and Raiden just, he was off it for about seven months and then just goes on the odd time to post a photo. But I've, you know, I kind of learned from that too. Like, well, I, and, and I went off it for probably a month and a half at one point. I was mm -hmm. like, yeah, you know what? Like, F it, you know, like I'm going to get off it. So film photography, these kids got into, they're developing film at home. And then I ended up buying a contacts camera and they're helping, you know, develop. So it's, it's kind of fun, but like, I like the way, I like the fact that they're into these old school sort of methods of doing things, right. like the old ways of doing things, which mm. is very, which is very different because a lot of kids are really up on the technology side of things, but it's cool to see them trying to do things the old way. And right. it's definitely influenced, uh, me a little bit to appreciate that old vibe you know what yeah I mean? yeah and it sounds like it um this time has connected you re maybe reconnected you and your your sons and over certain you know hobbies yeah I mean uh definitely uh well I mean the the, the cool thing is like Raiden was DJing too back in the day like he mm -hmm. was DJing so I got to see him you know which I didn't think because he's not 19 yet and I and I and I knew I'd probably be out of the clubs before he turned 19, but I I didn't think I'd ever see him DJ in the clubs, and that always kind of connected us to music, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's it's always cool to like, what are you guys listening to, and and trade music back and forth, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Right. But, uh, yeah. I think it's great. And in terms of um, getting back to like the fortune space, um. Are you going to evolve it in some sort of way as you're waiting for the industry to come back? Or um, like what are your thoughts on that? I don't know. I had space? some really good ideas over pandemic to do some safe opening stuff that I think would have really been mind-blowing and, and whatnot. But, I mean, there always seemed to be one, you know, like the, the rules were changing so much. And, like, even if you were planning something, something might get canceled and, and whatever. So we just kind of are in the hibernation mode right now. Um we don't even have really any staff at this point. Like we have Jordy and Curtis, like our two managers, but as far as everybody else goes, like mm -hmm. we don't really have staff right now. We're hoping if we open, like people will come back, but I'm also assuming they've figured something else out. Like you're not gonna wait a year and a half to work at the club again, you know what yeah. I mean? And what that looks like. I think, I think like we're gonna go back to live shows. I, I know it's gonna be one hell of a party when we do open. You know, I'm pretty sure people have a lot of. I, I I can tell you I haven't 
even gotten drunk in over a year and I'm, I'm down, you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm down to have a big ass party. Um, but going to be a jazz I, I, age all over again. Well, I want to, I, I want to do something there too, because yeah. Raiden's being in the music class and has a whole bunch of jazz friends and some live music, some more adult vibes where we can, you know, have them play and you're lounging and stuff like that. But I think, I think the main thing is that we have a really creative team around us and mm-hmm. we'll always kind of push things forward and be creative. What the actual scene will look like is is going to be something to, to note because we don't really know. You know, I, I already felt like there was already, you know, craft bar places, beer places coming out like, you know, the last 10 years and people are dating differently like on Tinder and apps. So back in the days, you know, the club would be used to listen to music for the first time. Mm-hmm. And now there's streaming, you know, so you can actually hear a song that comes out on streaming or whatever before a DJ played it, where before it was all about the DJ playing it. And that's the only place you could hear it. There were no radio at that time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's that there's dating is di- done differently. Now dancing has to be done at the club. Seeing live shows have to be done at the club. But mm-hmm. I think Fortune's always been a place where we've been different all the time, right? Like um, maybe it's art shows and fashion shows and different mm-hmm. community events, men- the mental wealth seminars, yoga, whatever. And yeah. I think we'll continue to push things forward because I've never really considered Fortune as just like a club. You know, yeah. it's more like a, a, a venue space, yeah. and whatever weird thing you can think of, like, let's try it. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, I, I, as I said, I do know one thing though, like there's always somebody turning 19, like there's a whole bunch of people that in the last year that turned 19 that have never been to fortune before and Mm -hmm. are probably like, oh, this would be cool. And long before, like long after I get out of this business of, of the clubs, it'll still be going because there's always new people coming into that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, what are, what are your hopes for yourself? in 2021 for myself yeah um just to stay sane I guess throughout the whole thing like I'm hoping I mean the the other thing I did too over pandemic was um I I, we've been working on this brand called Taken which is a bag brand and we're releasing our first apparel collection out of it so I pretty much you know put together an entire apparel and bag collection during this thing and we're launching it for the first time this season nice so that's been like a lot of extra stress and weight Mm -hmm. you know added to it all because it's a fairly new experience but uh yeah I hope that goes well uh I hope that stores and restaurants can open to their full capacity that things I I really just yeah I hope that I'm, I'm kind of even though as I said there's been a lot of positive stuff over the whole thing and that I've realized a lot of things I feel that uh I'm kind of over that now you know what I mean I I definitely miss a lot of things and connecting with people and being able to get on with our normal lives Mm -hmm. uh, somewhat normal lives or whatever so yeah I'm hoping that I mean last year's summer was pretty fun I would say even though a lot of it was outside and the pandemic was on but I I, you know that that was that was pretty tolerable so I'm hoping that things do get better and also of course to uh save lives out there you know I have a friend that's uh that's in Vancouver that's two months into COVID and he's still feeling like five out of 10, like four out of 10. It's really hard to breathe. I have a friend in California that's on, um, in ICU in critical condition. He's been in the hospital for 16 days on a ventilator for that long at the max capacity right now. So 
I just hope that this kind of settles so that more, you know, more people don't die. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. Hmm. And um, thank you for your time. Always, I always really enjoy chatting with you and oh, no and problem. shooting the breeze. Um, but the question that I I always ask uh, my guests is, you know, with all of the things that you are doing, what is it that you hope to leave behind in the world? Yeah, um, I don't, I don't really, uh, I haven't really thought too much about like it's a pretty deep question, of course. Um, I think about, I, I guess you kind of subconsciously think about this stuff all the time. I don't know. Um, I think there's still more that I do want to bring to this world and, uh, I, I guess we'll have to see in the next five years what I can, what I can do, but I'm definitely down to contribute more to this society and community and, uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have for a long time and I'm excited to, to see what you continue to put out there. Thank you. Thanks, G-Man. Yes. If you enjoyed that last conversation, be sure to check out more episodes of The Craft on Spotify and guest photo galleries on the website at wearethecraft.com. Thanks again for listening.